Welcome to Fruiting Body Podcast with your host, Brendan. Today, we have another absolute legend of a guest. It is Goldie, a.k.a. Clifford Joseph Price. Um, today, you can find tons of content on Goldie in terms of documentaries, on YouTube. Um, we're going to focus on more about his experience and his connection to Thailand. Uh, I feel like personally, that's something I can relate to. And for the audience, maybe it's a part of his history and his journey that we've yet to indulge in. Um, if you don't know who Goldie is already, I mean, go check it out. I mean, if, if you haven't, if you've been living under a rock, I think you know who he is. He is the godfather of drum and bass. Um, we don't want to build it up too much there. So let's jump right into the podcast and take it away with Goldie. Yeah. Thanks uh, a lot. Yeah. Thanks a lot for joining us. First of all, it was a nice, it was a shorter intro. I like it. It's good. Straight to the point. Um, yeah, I mean, it's. Yeah, there's tons that stuff is mad. Yeah. I um, well, I'll give you a bit of direction. Let let's let's just start from the beginning. I've I've really went through as much content as I can to really understand who is the man, who is Goldie. But there is a missing piece. Your initial connection to Phuket and Thailand. What actually brought you here first, and and you know what made you decide to actually come and settle here? Um, well, I think for me, I've 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 been doing what I do for like decades it's been it's been it has been the journeyman was really the the kind of the coined phrase if you like and i always looked at that from various architects throughout the years and decades and obviously initially physically it was the fact that i was touring in asia and i i was in shanghai and i met my my wonderful muse my mika i met there in shanghai she was working there Canadian and I, I, you know, she was from Canada and she was there working and and we just met randomly at some ridiculous dinner and, uh, you know, I'd had a really rough divorce and a really rough time. Uh, and I was peaking back end of the 90s, which was, you know, if the 60s think they had a really hard time, you know, a really big party, trust me, the 90s made it look like baby feet Similac because the 90s really is, you know, I... I I have quoted, and many of my peers have quoted, it's, it's probably one of the most, the 90s is probably one of the most prolific eras we could ever experience as being on the planet from X to Y, Y to X. Because it's the scientific change, the musical change, cultural change, technology, everything was heading to a massive cauldron, hydro explosion, if you like. And I guess that led to kind of more touring, more stuff, and we just met in Shanghai and 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 fell immediately at over heels with a woman. And then we started, she had a boss that was living in Phuket. I'd never been to Thailand. I was never drawn to the islands. I'm Jamaican. I lived in Miami. I was two hours from, from, from Jamaica. My family are from Manchester. My father's from Manchester in Jamaica. My whole family are pretty infamous in, you know, in Carroll City, which is a Jamaican neighborhood. And it just, you know, even at the height of my kind of inverted commas, that stuff that makes you known, I, I just could not be fucking asked with going to, excuse my French, mm. um, going to Jamaica. It just didn't, it just didn't, didn't, it didn't, didn't appeal to me in a way. I don't know. I think it was just the idea that I, I was kind of more caught up in the Americanism, I guess. And Jamaica was kind of like, wasn't for me. I've been to Barbados, I've been to Antigua. You know, and, and it just wasn't me. And I felt, you know, Mika said, come on holiday with me. My boss is inviting us down. I'd come to, I'd played in Bangkok before. 
you know, I met her in Shanghai. We played in Bangkok. Went back to Shanghai a few more times. And then we just came for Christmas one year, and I just came here and just went, you know, Tina Fey, right? Dirty Rock. I want that one. You know, mm -hmm. I, you know, I'd have to have this. I just had to be here, and I just felt compelled with this place. And, and I also think there's a lot to do. I think that coupled with the phase that my life had, had taken, the idea of reinvention. You know, I've been told by many of my peers, my peers, that, you know, reinvention is everything. You know, Bowie, David Bowie, God rest his soul, was probably one of my, my big... Reinvention or evolution? Um, they're both the same, really. They're, they're, they're the same cloth. Um, evolution, reinvention you know, uh, rebirth, they're, they're all from the same cloth. Um, so the idea of, of being here, just every Christmas became longer and longer and longer. And I knew from the minute that I drove over Surin, up this hill from Surin, over down into Camelot, looking over Camelot Bay, I just knew that this would be the place I would be staying um, and, and living eventually. And I carried on touring and what have you, and I went to visit Mika in Shanghai, and we'd come here, and and then we decided that she 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 had enough of Shanghai and decided to move to back to Canada. I was touring in America and going to Canada as my as my kind of stay place, and then she decided to I just popped the question, says look, come and live in England with me, and we did, and then I went, that's it, I'm done with England, and I I, I kind of came under the premise of retirement which is the dumbest mofo thing to do if you are an artist. It really is. Would you, you know, say, yeah. like, an artist never really retires? It's just, it just didn't happen. It just, I thought it was going to be this, you know, bye. I, I literally said goodbye to everyone. I, bye, I'm gone. <coughs> um, but I think, I think the, 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 the universe has a different plan for you. As much as your ego thinks it's one thing, the universe has another plan. And you kind of have to go with it if you let go enough and and, I, and that's what happened and then the, you know we, we I set up the gallery which I, I never expected to, to to own a gallery did that happen quite quickly after like you know coming to move here like setting up the gallery like within your first year no the gallery happened much later I mean the gallery happened like four years ago and it was because of the amount of kind of like I'd like to say peer pressure I guess artist respect is another one because lots of my friends are like, what do you do? You, you love art. You know, the same model applied for, the, for my label, which is 30 years old next year, Metalhead's the label. It's an integral record label, has been since its inception. It was kind of designed to be the antichrist to what was going on commercially, though there's nothing wrong with that commercially. If that's what you want to do, commerciality is a, is a very big part of, you know, gentrification and are you referencing and, more and like and the plug and play and dj and you know plug and play and also music that was not fitting within a certain criteria uh formulaic gentrified if you like and we were never that so the whole idea of coming here and and continuing my journey as it unfolded like origami was it was a really good thing for me because i think i always look at my life in 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 these crazy stages, these chapters, if you like, we all have these chapters, and and I've kind of had a really good way. Is I've been very lucky in the way the universe's energy has come to me at the right time, 
you know, being being a product of the nineties, you know, um, the the music, you know, on you know the same as punk really being the first British genre which was really original to its core. Um, at the right time, socially, economically, um, there's a lot going on with the Thatcher era. There's a lot of disdain with the country, you know, economic decline. Oh, this rings a bell. I was following hip hop in New York, and it went through the same economic decline, in the same way that the boroughs and youth culture. You know, these families went to build New York. Mm -hmm. They all moved to the projects and the boroughs, and they had kids, and these kids had nothing to do once the city collapses. So they started doing graffiti and painting and music. So I, I kind of, you know, seventeen and a half, just about to turn eighteen, being in New York, the impact of New York has stayed within my kind of Freudian veins. That, I mean, the let's say the birth of yourself coming out of the South Bronx in terms of your music, because a lot of people don't understand it. It's actually your art was way before the music, initially. Yeah, well, the art, yeah, the art was way before it. But I think the point I'm getting to is that from that kind of inception, very early soaking into me cultural inception, it was it, it was a really good thing to. After everything and all of the. That word fame and success, how do you measure that? Being rich, you know, what is wealth? You start to question all of these things. But then you realise it's such a different cultural place, culturally. It was really good to, you know, you go through this thing where, you know, you know, boy coming up from nothing, you know, you know, does, you know, ex ex exceeds life, fights against everything, you know, gets framed, falls on his ass, re, you know, regains himself, is in a really, you know, life-threatening accident, all of these different things. And then the fame and all this other stuff comes, and then you've got all the cars and all the women, all the stuff. And in all of that stuff, you're searching for something that's not there. It's like obese people in the South searching for food, and they just get obese, but they're still hungry. Or you're chasing the purple you're chasing dragon. this thing that's, that's not there. Mm. And and that's, that's synonymous with every modern type of success and fame whether but it's you, sport music everything else do you find did you kind of find yourself once you settled in phuket and to, to extend that question as well is you've you said you're you know i'm going to see the boy the 12 year old boy is inside i'm ah. protecting the boy but i kind of connected a piece of phuket when you land in phuket and only if certain people will understand this it looks a lot like never never land were you coming home ah. Well, it wasn't when you come over that Penang Bay, yeah. this is like a, a, yeah. a, a clear picture of, you know, that Peter Pan-esque Never Never Land. So did that subconsciously ever connect with you where I'm home? Uh, uh, no, well, it was Never 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 Ranch, but it was, it was, <laughs> um, it was, it was the idea of, um, there is this magical thing about this place and you either get it or you don't, right? It's like if you go to New York first before you go to L.A., I can't, I loathe LA. Some people go to LA first, they can't deal with the bustle of New York. You know, but I've always felt that New York's a metropolis to itself, whereas Phuket is a place to itself, like America. It's like other cities are other cities, but New York is New York. I look at that like Thailand. Phuket is Phuket, the rest of it's Thailand. Um, so there is that kind of parallax. Um, there is something so magical here that it's only when you uncouple the carriages of culture, uncouple the carriages of, of even trauma, 
and you uncouple and you have the idea of uncoupling time that's what this place does for me it allows allowed us as a family and allowed me as a soul if you like a uh, having a human experience to take time be in the present and you know of course we we get overwhelmed you know like when you first come to Thailand you go to the market you buy loads of wax carved candles you know what I mean and you go to lemongrass house and you smell lemongrass all day long once you go through everything that you've gone through with it you, you find this place and the magic is inherent within it well and I find the magic's always in Phuket it's 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 within yourself I find like and yeah. it's what you make of it it's what you make of it I mean I I I did the 10k hike on Monday Sunday morning, and it was probably the most one of the most prolific ones, and I've done a lot. You know, it's was this the Spartan one or the one? Did you just do your regular? This is my regular okay. circuit, which is up from Kamala yeah, up to the lake. I did it once with my girlfriend and a friend mm. visiting, and we didn't realize that it takes four hours. So we went. <laughs> we, we got up there at like we started at three thirty four. And I hit the top, you know, where the lakes are, right? Because yeah. you told me about it. Yeah. And, uh, maybe I won't give too much away. But anyways, we hit there, and it was 6 o'clock. Wow. We're so lucky we found the, the path at the back. To get back, yeah. If yeah. we didn't find that, we were in that jungle. To, like, my buddy, we were at one point, we were like, okay, we got to step it up. We got to yeah, start running up. up. Yeah, I, I mean, I go up there. I do. I obviously take a knife and stuff, and I've had a few snake encounters. And uh, obviously, January, February, is a lot of scorpions and... But then, you know, like every bit of nature, you know, it's, it's pretty it's pretty harmless. You've probably got more chance of getting bit by a cobra in the lowlands. What about those dogs? You know where you first enter? Dogs are great. Okay, you know those dogs yeah, up there? Yeah. The first time I saw them, I picked up the rock because you don't know. I know how to deal with street <laughs> dogs. And I look at that ridge back. I'm like, this motherfucker ain't nah. going to do shit to this rock. You, like, he's going he's to fuck me up if I don't throw it. It yeah. doesn't matter. You just got to bring treats. So you got to do it, man. Oh. You got to be clever. I you saw gotta, him, you yeah. got to do a little bit of Bill, Mo you know. You got to do a little bit of uh, Jack Nicholson, man. Keep that little bacon in the pocket, you know. Keep a little something for him, and they're okay. And they remember, you know, they're just protecting their thing. That's, we're we're yeah, strangers yeah. to them. I, I mean, the white, the white ones. He, he's the he's the boy, the the white boy. The Ridgebacks, the Ridgebacks got a lot of noise. A lot he's of, the uh, one up on the hill on yeah. the left. Yeah, but you know, I was up there, and it was probably one of the most prolific experiences because. You know, the, the, I've been doing Wim Hof for a while, and 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 the breathing in the lake. Um, and I've I sometimes take vests up there too, which I hide around the different spots. And sometimes the farmers take them, and yeah. I don't know, they sell them or whatever they do. God bless them. But you know, I go up there and I float a lot, and that becomes it's become a you know when you create your own thing. Is the idea of routine was a routine of going up, dumping my stuff, doing the top loop now that it's been cleared, coming back to the lake, getting in the lake, floating for 40 minutes, doing the Wim Hof breathing, getting onto the rock, and just that view, the magnificence of it. Because there's like a, there's like a, a sequence of things that if you're in the water and you just relax and you have natural buoyancy and i've got my sony walkman headphones in there and i've got you know i've got uh, the bat going in on a, on a cycle which is a metheny track it's called the bat it's a very it's a very 
It's a very beautiful piece of music. Along with, you know, sometimes it's, you know, it's bulletproof, Radiohead. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of my kind of ballad-esque thing. And I'll just float in there like an embryo, like a baby in the womb. And for me, it's such a healing thing from my background, having that experience. And it was so prolific. That, and I floated and, and did the kind of the ball rolling around in the water. And then I kind of came to and got on the surface and I floated. And I just look up and there they are. There's like three, there's two, there used to be two. Now there's, they've had a baby eagle, you know, like a, or a kite, the, the, the breed they have here. And they just, they always come in to come and check me out in the lake. And they just swim around. And while I'm swimming around, they're just floating overhead. And I just and I just have a few screams, have a few bits of wailing, you know, which is something I never thought I'd do. Until someone pulls up on And you. it's almost it's almost as far away from the kind of what you call going back to the point at the beginning of the conversation, than the kind of the tree hugging experience or you know, you come here to uh you know to go find yourself in a in a retreat. This is the retreat. The island is the retreat. The place is the retreat. And 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 I think some people need that. Like I need to go to Kata to go to yoga. Like yesterday, I want to be in the class with everyone's energy. Um, you know, I practice at home, you know, sometimes. But I, I've always been a practitioner that will go and practice with group energy, which I love. Um, but the point I'm making of that is... It's the one thing that I can do alone that I have no fear of at all. Even with my encounters of snakes or anything, if I, if I trail one up on one and I, ca I catch him late and I'm, so, I'm more startled than anything. Mm. And they just pretty much go off, as it, you know, and they just pretty much skew it, skew it out the way. And, um, but it, it was a really prolific experience. And I think that experience in the everyday life of being here it really works well with painting and, and meditation. Um, and, and, and the main thing about this place is it allows me to be no one and realize how much, how little I know about life, how much little I know. Because, of course, you, I can sit on the computer and get all of this stuff and more stuff. And did you know? Did you know? Did you know? I'm passing this information that I might not, it's, it's more like a raconteur of. You're not Folk, experiencing folklore. It. You're not experiencing it. It's just mm. it's passing information. We're passing information. Regurgitating. We're regurgitating yeah. and passing information yeah. that we may not even know. Like, did you know that this? And do you know really? Do we, is it researched? Is it that this is something which you, which you, I find that brings me the most happiness, and and being in this family unit which I've never experienced in such gratitude as I do now. You know, we married on Christmas Day here at a temple in beyond Chantelet on Christmas Day. That's how kind of like, this is a dead cert. This is for life. This is my, this is my muse. And we knew, we always knew it, it was that. And, and, and plus I only get to buy one Christmas present and an anniversary present in the same one. Yes, yeah, same money. <laughs> um, but it, but it, it's that kind of magical experience and one other thing about it is that there's paradise within paradise, which is, well, within me, this is other paradise. But then there's also these things where since we've been here, time goes out of the window. And I'm obsessed with time, like timeless, all of these things. 
your sense of time, the sense of running out of it, the time of, you know, doing all of these gigs back to back sequentially, all of these things. It gives me this place of space and allows me to do this thing, which is the experience, which is the, the biggest thing. The memory. The memory. And part of that is, there was, since we've been here, going to like Cambodia and going to Laos and, and doing this other stuff. I found a journal yesterday. And I, I, I said to my wife, you've just got to see this journal. And inside this journal are some unbelievable pictures of paintings that I've done that weren't the finished paintings, but were the kind of like the prefix. Mm -hmm. And then inside that were like different letters to us. Um, one was Queensland, Queenstown in New Zealand. And it was a place called Coronet's Corner. And, it, and, and I, as, I, as, I read the, as I read the opening monologue, I was like, what is this? Because it feels like I find these writings that in, in, in my things that are like, who wrote this? But it's me from before. It's the idea of what, what, what writing does to oneself as, as, as the author, that we forget these things that we, that we experience sometimes. We, we constantly need to be reminded like anything else. And of course, just typing them in the phone is one thing, but you never do that. You, you type them in the phone. Some people are like this. I'm not wired like that. I'm wired in the old way of pen to paper mm -hmm. because, you know, how many phones have I... I've lost five or six phones in the last... I lose them all the time, two a year, three a year. And these notes, okay, they're in the cloud, yada, yada... But the idea of finding the, finding the written word within your own space is so beautiful because it's profound. Because I'm reading this thing and I'm thinking, and all of a sudden it, un it unravels into this, this corrupted MacBook. And I, and I think, oh my God, this is in overlooking Coronet's place, this, this, this view and, and explaining what the view was like. And then another one was from, uh, from uh, Cambodia. And there's a picture of Coco and Mika standing when Coco's like this high and there's he's writing these words in the moment of the time it happened, in experience. And there's something really special about that. And, and that is only really brought about through this reinvent, this, this rebirth. Mm. Hey everyone, just a quick word from our sponsor, Five Star Marine. Um, they are Phuket's leading and number one private VIP speedboat tour company on the island of Phuket. Uh, go check them out. They're really helping us to operate uh, week to week and to continue making content and give it to the fans like yourselves. Uh, go check them out. Instagram at Five Star Marine. And let's get back to that episode. And when, when you're taking those memories, like, is there a paradox there? Like, yeah, you're reading from the past, but are you speaking to someone else in the future? Because a lot of the times when you record those memories down and until you pick it up and read it again, you've completely forgotten it. I think it's more about... Um It's about reminding oneself of how how special we are as 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 this energy that's here. I think it's that because you, you, you speak about three pillars all the time. I, I've noticed it's reoccurring: love, time, and memory. memory. Yeah, love, but time, and memory. Those pillars that you follow, how? How can you apply that to your encompassed life within Phuket? Not not from the family life or the person personal life, but your relationship with Thailand. Um, well, it's just you know I have this photographic memory of the stuff that I'm experiencing. I I share it with people that come here. Um, 
I I have this sense of respecting the time and knowing there is none and knowing that there is lack of uh, and there's parody in that, but what, what, what that allows is I'm going to start this painting. Like this week I've done a painting. Like this week I've done many paintings, but this week it was particularly like kind of I'm recording in the studio with James. You know, I've got this kind of new Goldie album on the go. I've got this subjective uh, album on the go. I've got this screenplay that's completed and we're, you know, waiting to sign to a broadcaster. There's, there's all of these things happening and there's all of this stuff. And I can see the, the, the engineer over here. I can see your left hand. I can see myself on the screen. I can see these vitamins here. I can see the surfboard here. All of these things. But in my mind's eye, I'm just focused on the prize. And the prize is, is applying myself to this place means being present and and i don't we don't go to patong you go to patong like disney it's like disneyland yeah, when your friends come you go oh i've got to take them to patong you know and it's like you want it people want to see it they want to go to the white buddha and they want to go and do these things once you go beyond that in this in this place there are all these there are all these beautiful things to go and see that we that you wouldn't see on holiday that you wouldn't see if you see it for three months I, I do find like for my I've been here six seven years and mm. I find everyone will ask and my parents will ask are you not tired of it I'm like oh. they go what do, what what do you do I honestly I have near near to close the same routine every day they're like you're not bored I'm like I've never been happier never been they're happier. like but you're gonna do the same thing every day I'm like Man. it's gorgeous here like this is amazing I, if if this island got closed down I said. When this, it got locked down here. My parents are like, what if it never opens? I'm like, please. Please, <laughs> allow me, allow me the beach to myself. I'm walking out on the beach and there's no one there. I mean, in the still season, it's, is it Jan Feb when the water's flat? Yeah. You know, I'm, I, this is the other thing about me living in Thailand. I have a fear for the sea. And I get in that mofo and I swim. But I don't go too far out. And I've been pulled out before a few times. I nearly, I nearly died in Miami one time. And it's, so I have this real boy fear of the water. But when it's still, it's safe for me. And, uh, and if any of you haven't got Sony headphones, like the Sony Walkman, when they left the kind of Walkman era, they've got this, it's a, it's a Bluetooth underwater headphone. It's the best in the market. I've tried them are all. There are these here or no? I've tried, yeah, they're these bad boys. What I'm talking about, these bad boys. I've tried them all. But these, you know, 10,000 songs, there is nothing more prolific than being in the water listening to your favorite music. There's something that drives me in, in that. And I think part of my Freudian aspect is water represents the womb, so I'm not comfortable with it. Mm. You know what I mean? And, but, and I think the healing process of being in the lake, knowing that, I know what's it's kind of silt and it's kind of grass at the bottom. It's about fifteen, it's about fifteen meters in, in, the, in, the, in its biggest peak. So I don't know, you know, there's a few water snakes, they're harmless, but I know it's still. But I know I can. I'm healing myself in that embryonic water, so to speak. When I do the meditation, it's it's this kind of past healing thing. In the sea, different gravy, you know what I mean? I'm kind of like, whoa, you know. Have you but tried it, any of the, the like water meditation with sound healing bowls in water? I'm no, I'm not really, I'm not, I, I can't, I, I, you see, the pretext, I've just done it because sound bowl meditation for me is my favorite playlist okay. in water swimming. Uh, have you been to Jungala? No, 
Been. No, it's so there's a he has this guy. His name's Wolfgang. He's been on the island for a while. Down oh yes, I have. Sorry, okay. yes. yes, I've bought a few. What down there in in the south? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I bought a few big balls. You need the passport to get down. You need the passport to get down. I bought some wonderful balls, and you know, I think for me, I've always been a little bit like I've done Wim Hof, and I'll take the Wim Hof method, and I'll go. I'll do the breathing, and I'll do my. my I did an ice bath this morning. I do want to get back. You know, I did the whole thing with the Wim Hof teacher, which was official on Sunday. You know, uh, all of these things. And I, I pull it in, and I put it into Peter Pan land, you know, because I, I, I do resonate with Peter Pan, by the way. Um, the idea of being this boy and the idea of this boy having the best fun. And I think the, the, the great thing about the experience of, of all of these things here in Phuket is that, geez, this boy had some fun. I've done all of that other stuff, but me being here, up in the up in there, uh, up in the lakes and, and around and doing stuff, and just the other thing about f- from a practical point of view, being urban and from where I've come from, which is a kind of thing, not being followed by the police, not checking my rear view mirror all the time, you know, all of these things you have to do automatically in Europe, you know, in England, especially in London, oh the old Bill, get a pull. You know, you, your light bulb's out. You know, mm. I, you know, you're doing a 32 in a 31 zone. Get the fuck out of here. Well, that's the freedom. You know what I mean? There's, There's so much freedom living in Phuket. Like, you can go to dinner. You can have a couple drinks. You don't even need to think twice about it. Um, I, I think a, a big part of society in that whole Peter Pan story is they don't want you to think that uh, that actually has some merit to it. Meaning... We're always told to grow up. Well, what is the meaning behind that even? I, and, and I've always looked at that, like, grow up in what sense? Get a mortgage, <laughs> get a house, like, hate life? Like, what is your <laughs> definition of growing up? And the fact that I resonate with your ability to follow the routine and, and what is the definition of growing up? What is the def- definition of growing up to you? Uh, I think for me, growing up is allowing the, uh, uh, the definition of growing up. See, in one of my passports, it says this guy is known as Goldie, but it also says I'm a professional child. <laughs> that's what I am. That's and what we are. Uh, I think I'm a, that's, my, that's my profession. The I'm occupation. Like, occupation, professional yeah. child. Um, there, is, there is no answer to that from my perspective because I've, I will never grow up. And, and, and that boy will, is always going to be there. It's never, growing up means, you know, not paying attention to youth culture, not paying attention to the arts, you know, closing off that thing that we once were. That's, that's, what, that's what the definition of growing up is. not a good definition for me. Um, because like yoga, yoga is not about losing weight. Let's get it right. It's about getting the mind right. So the idea of growing up to get a more, get a, listen, if you work hard, the money is a byproduct, like losing weight in yoga. It comes. I've never done a project. I've never had my, my you know, my, 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 my wife always points this out. My focus has never been the money. If it were, I'd be, I'd be doing some other thing with it. I'd be in Wall Street. I'd be doing whatever. I'd be, I'd be a broker. It's just not my thing. It's a byproduct. It's something that allows us to have this fantastic lifestyle. I'm blessed. 
It's never been my main focus. It really is never. It's just one of those things that just doesn't stick. It's just not me. And what what is your kind of motivation when you're starting a project? How a lot of people will say like we are antennas, and sometimes the universe just gives us the idea. <laughs> How mo most could you relate to that on most of your projects you've taken on? Does something speak to you? Do a lot of the times, and this is a bit long winded. A lot of the times when they do speak to you, do you ignore them and go, you know what, that one I'm not sure about. Let me try this one put it another way there are 12 people in my head and they're all screaming and they're all having an argument but there's one of them that sits at the head of the table he used to sit under the table because that was the boy sitting with his hands over his ears listening to all of those guys screaming at each other so the boy now sits at the head of the table and just makes everyone speak in their own tongue when they're ready the artistic goldie the uh alchemate goldie the 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 music goldie the, the, the thoughtful philosopher Goldie. The raging, mad, crazy Goldie also. He has a place at the table too. They all have a place at the table. You just got to make the conversation and listen to what each one of those voices is saying and don't just put it down. And that's really been the, that's been my process for the, for the, for the, for the, for the while now because the boy gets to speak. Do any of them lose a seat at the table? Uh, yeah, I left a seat at the table when I fell unconsciously drunk off that table you know, and the chair fell over in my height of my addiction. And, and the other guys, the boy helped him up and so did the, the, the empathetic Goldie help him onto the seat again. You know, we, if we listen to our thoughts on a daily basis from here, try it one time. If you, from here to your journey, just, just look at the thoughts you have. Just try and look back. What did I actually honestly think? You know, I nearly weighed that driver in. I was going to help that lady across the road. I was thinking about this guy that I beat up there, and I was thinking about being more helpful and helping this charity. So we all, we think in such a yin and yang way anyway. You know, if all my thoughts were out and, and, and you could enact them, that would be the craziest Hollywood film ever. Do, do, do you know what I mean? As close to Tarantino as I can get. I think all, DiCaprio's all, doing one on you, that. You, you know yeah. what I mean? It's yeah. Because we are, we are, we're all, you know, we are all the crazies. We are all slightly you know, two cents short of a dollar. You know, I, I, I love the quote. I love the quote. My best, one of my best friends, Noel Gallagher, one of the best quotes ever is that, you know, some people like his brother, you know, some people are just like, you know, used to fork in a world of soup, you know, and that's kind of what we are. Um, and you're constantly trying to, and I guess trying to gain the curdle, <laughs> you know, trying to whip it up to some kind of form is, is where we're all at. Right. And, and, and I, I, I think one of the biggest things, maybe what this, maybe why is why am I here on this chair? What am I doing here today? It's a reminder. My it's only a reminder that that this is probably, you know, the best possible version of myself I can be at this moment, because everything, you know. Is beautiful. I, I think, you know, I'm, I'm going to be filming this documentary here next year. It's like the penultimate one. And I'm like, yeah, not another one. And when I, when I got asked the question about, yeah, yeah Goldie, just, just, just listen, hear me out. Just this, we want to do this last one because you've done all of these documentaries over your life and everyone's always done this fame and all of this other stuff, different parts of your life. But the point I'm, I think is, is that this is, I feel like this era... I'm in this, what's called the return movement. This is the return movement. Some people call it the golden era. 
It's a return movement. So I'm 57. Um, I'm 12 mentally. I'm nine in my thoughts. Um, and I am raging like I was 27. Um, and I'm just thinking that the how that look would be looking is the idea of seeing all of these things and where, where what I've become here mm-hmm. and how life has become this beautiful out of this mud as this lotus out of the phoenix raises from the ashes and like the ashes out of phoenix and blah blah and so I think that I think that it would be good to to not end it on that note but to have this pull the penultimate return movement I'm doing a Goldie album which I think that that's what the title may be it's looking more and more like the return movement because I'm going but back. There is no, there is like, I, I truly believe that there is no end. And I think that's the whole problem with human civilization. We get too caught up on uh, a start line and an end line instead yeah. of the Gaia, which is always evolution. You're saying this is your best era that you're living now. And connecting that to the ideologies of Buddhism, especially us coming from Thailand and the concept of reincarnation. You mentioned that you were an understudy to a pharaoh. Could you expand on oh, that? Oh, jeez. Uh, not really. Uh, yeah, I think I think that there are many past lives I've always felt. There are many past lives that I've Well, you can go through these. What are they? Um, they're called uh, past life regressions. Yeah. And you can, you can go ahead and do these. Um, are there any that, like, really resonate with you more than others? Yeah, I think that the pharaoh aspect was one of them. And it was a... It was a warrior aspect where I I had a lot of power under a there was a dominant figure that I was a warrior to, and I was convinced to then empower it with this empowerment to to yield all of these people together, and they were betrayed, and of course I got my heart pulled out, my livers out, and it, and it was it was it was a real kind of betrayal, and then that happened, and then and then. The, the latter part of it, which seeped through the music, there's a really interesting, it's very finite. There's a, on the end of the mother CD, it has to be the full length CD. After mother, there is a Bowie track called Truth. Three minutes after that, there's no ID on the CD player. So if you have a CD player and, you, and you're in the bath and track two's finished, it just plays for three minutes. This track appears, and it's called The Dream Within. And it was a track that was made from a track called, on the original CD, because it was a double CD, on the other CD was a track called Letter of Fate. Well, that track's in reverse with certain elements, and it has this voice, which is my own voice from a, a backing vocal in reverse. And it's eerily, for me, when I heard it on the tape machine when it was recorded backwards... It freaked me out because it reminded me of this native tongue, and it took me back to this 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 monk that was writing scripture, <laughs> and I was told to copy. You just got to go and copy write because you don't have computers to copy and paste. You got to copy those out, and there's thousands of things I had to copy them out. And and I was this this young boy that had to do this and when i look at my hand font my handwriting is immaculate my handwriting is is is, i gotta say it's beautiful most graffiti writers handwriting is pretty pretty slick um it's all in caps i never write in lowercase and it really is 
I look at it and I think that's just beautiful. And I've wrote loads of, you know, th hundreds and thousands of letters, you know, to my wife and, and, and manifestations that I write. And I love my handwriting. I really love myself. And I, and I, I thought of this handwriting when I, when I looked at this piece. And I heard this piece when I created this piece. And it's like it just, something seeped back into this life. And that's one of them. It was like a leak. Where, did that come from kind of this memory? Some people actually have to be with someone and ask for this past life, past life regression. And they'll kind of take them through, through like a hypnotic therapy. Or you're saying like this kind of just spoke to you more it naturally. Just, it spoke to me more naturally. I'd had it. I'd never had regressional therapy. Um, I'd had lots of five-element acupuncture I've, I've sworn by for years. I had that five-element acupuncture and opening up certain aspects of, my, of myself. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm kind of more of the swirling dervish ilk, looping sound, creating deity. And within the deity, I raise it, I raise it, and there's a lot of stuff comes up. With me, it's all about that. It's resonance of sound. You know, sound gong, sound bass, bells, resonance... For me, I can be in, uh, we were in a piece of hardware yesterday. I can't say the name of this piece of hardware. Um, and it's coupled to a piece of software that we have and we've learned to automate this. I could stay in this, this plug-in for hours because it resonates in such a way. It puts me under. It could literally put me down, like out, out for the count. Um, and I guess there's a, moderniz there's a modernism within even sound therapy for me i'm a i'm a big believer in the loop a big believer in looping cordial structures for a while to create vocal i've always done that i've i, I if i hear a if i loop a pad and a sound what i mean by a pad is a certain set of cordial keys i can write like and it's usually i can usually play it for like 32 bars without hearing the rest of it and I can write a song to it. I mean, it's just this also comes back from ancient times. If we even went to called native American tribes or, or chants, they were always looping sounds as well. Yeah. Do you, did you connect to that or did this oh, naturally yeah. come to you? Oh, yeah, yeah. So that's exactly where it comes from. I mean, I'm, you know, I did a whole collection in 2013 called lost tribes. It was about trail winds. Mm -hmm. You know, people go, how can a Balinese, a woman from Bali be wearing a red, red Indian dress. Puh, that's for red Indians. Well, actually, Bali, they came around. You know, we look at the trail winds, India. You know, look at South America, South America, India, India, you know, Africa, India, and out across native. Ah, ah, the girls over to Canada. Ah, mm -hmm. the trail winds and tribalism. I've always been fascinated with swirling dervishes and and that whole old thing. There was a, you know, there's there's a, a, a film. That me and my wife's even, if she's going to be listening to this podcast, as soon as I say this, she's going to go, I know what he's going to say. There is a phenomenal film by a guy called Mr. Colbert. James Colbert, it may be. Or Robert Colbert. It's called Ashes to Snow. It's a phenomenal piece of cinematography. One, it's shot on film. Two, it took 15 years to make. Three, he lived with three different tribes. He lived with the tribe of Indians with with uh, with uh, elephants. No, it's it's a film or a documentary. It's a film. Okay. It's a it's a it's a piece of art. And it's my friend narrated it. Lawrence Fisherman narrates it. The fish narrates it, which is brilliant because it starts. It's what started me writing letters, like lots, 
because it starts with the idea of this guy leaving his love and writing letters to his love and then burning them in the fire and the ashes come up and be like snow ashes snow mm -hmm. and it and it fascinated me i think the opening shot is of a buddhist kid going backwards on a long tail through a set of elephants it's just prolific i must please watch this um and it inspired me to uh, i directed a video here again thailand you go further out you know it directed me up in Krabi and rally rally beach i went and shot with some drones a, a video called mountains from the journeyman album and i think that was really special because coming here creating it i've done we've done seven albums here and journeyman was special because it was the first album outside of the uk no it was more of a celebration album it was correct? a celebration album it was an album of the journeyman is finally here mm. you've and, arrived i've arrived uh, and the journeyman's special because of it was written here i wrote the songs here on beaches here um i brought players in to play here uh, and the memories that that album evokes was really beautiful so going back to answering your question um does it resonate with me all things tribal are all things remembered mm -hmm. um because all things remembered was taken from the idea of the french book by swan of uh, the madeleine cake and his grandma's cooking and i took that idea it was written in french it was it came out in france a french french book and I, and I wanted to do this thing called All Things Remembered, which was the second book I'd done, I had made. Because, the, you know, the first book's about where you've been, who you've been with, and, you know, how many cars you've got, and how yeah. big your cock is, rock out, yeah. Mm. You know, Nine Lives. Okay, it's a celebrity book. It's whatever the fuck that means. Um, but All Things Remembered, I, I really love that book because it, it, it's a book that's not linear, and it, and it encompasses Thailand and... And it was written by recording here hours of thought and how we can arrange them, you know, like a pack of cards in what in, in these appropriate chapters. Because it doesn't punch up or down, it just it punches up and down and it just goes sideways. And it's it's a really beautiful book. And of course that was really about the experience of Thailand and and what it really means to be here. Um, I think we're so blessed. You know, you, the other thing about this country, which I think is really cool, you don't hear people going like, oh, on the horn? Yeah. There's no horn honking I here. mean, I've, you go to, I've traveled all of Asia, and you go to these, like, Sri Lanka, you got the horn beeping. Um, but these places that you go in the world, like, uh, whether you're from the UK or you're in the South Bronx, mm -hmm. there are certain mannerisms, hieroglyphs you've spoken of, mm -hmm. of the language of the street and these subtle nuances. And... I can speak of mine from Canada, and you said you, you had to adapt to find yours in the Bronx. Could you give some examples of the hieroglyphs of the language of the streets in Thailand that people wouldn't be aware of? And I'll give an example from one just to maybe give some direction. Simple things if you're riding a motorbike and someone leaves a right blinker on, you pass oh, yeah, it, yeah. And, you do it and you use your hand. Yeah. If you don't know, that, that took me a year to figure yeah, out. Yeah. I'm like, what the, the fuck one, is that yeah. person saying? The one that got me was the, you know indicating left and you're not turning left yeah and you're like what are you doing man and you, you know we get we get this western enraged thing and we're like 
it's not our country, man. They're indicating left because they're saying that they're going around something. It doesn't mean they're going to go left. And if they put their hazard lights on, it means they're going to keep going, not stop. <laughs> and that's probably one of the biggest, one of the biggest road kills I would have thought here. Yeah. Let's put jokes aside now because the death rate on motorbikes. It's in, it's the I think it's the highest. It's the highest in the world, death, yeah. I think. Right, because you know people put hazard lights on, your blinkers on means that they're coming through. Not, not they're not going to stop. And the other thing which is really crazy is that they leave them on. Some people, they don't use them. Now, I've always felt that, you know, we, we, we're, we're blessed to be here as guests, you know, in another country with the Falang, you know, Farang, whatever. You know, I think of Star Trek, you know, the Farang, you know. <laughs> the Farangi. The Farangi, right? Yeah. I always think, I don't know why. It's, it's Star Trek. Um, but the idea of... of, of um, if, if one Thai representative just made one viral video that said, when you're on an island, which is a circular thing, give way, would make a hell of a difference because they will stop on an island, like Heron Monument is a classic. Yeah, It's like, A, open the motherfucking island. <laughs> yeah, because it's always got the gate across because they're, they're scared it's going to cause more traffic. It's like the whole point of an island is that you give way and people go around and you give way. That's not a thing no, in Thailand. No. And and I had to teach Mika the creep out. You know, the creep out move? No. You know, well, you just, in Thailand, you just roll out into the road. You right. don't stop. You just roll out slowly and they'll give you way. As opposed to where the island is, they're so polite that that's why people stop on the island because you think that you roll out and they go, oh, we're going to stop on the island for you and you continue. But it's like, no, you've got to give way for the oncoming you, you traffic. You need to change your peripheral vision here, I find. You've got to so, go, oh yeah. This is it. This, it used to be, the second you go there. It used to be this. It used to be this. <laughs> but you see, like I pointed out in this interview, your hand, the surfboard, that the product. You've got to be like this here. And also anticipation you know, like one of but the. But you most can't turn your head. That yeah, I know. No, no, no. One of the most dangerous things I've felt here happen is when you when you stop and allow someone to walk across too quickly because someone's coming down the inside yeah. and they're going to mow them over. You know, sometimes you can cause the accident if you stop being super polite and you you know you're allowing someone to walk across. You just kind of stop and they just come across. And they don't realize that there's someone's coming down. That's why I said, you see what they did this circle here? It's a no. fuck. You have, okay, when you go home, check out the Surin circle. There's a zebra on everywhere and line, it's a Jackson Pollock of a, fuck, oh, of a yeah, circle. Yeah, it is. And the last two days, people have been hit walking. Because the problem in Thailand is the zebra means nothing. Yeah, it means nothing. So yeah. what's happening is the farangs. Yeah, they just walk out. Head down zebra. Yeah. And also they, they think there's also, you know, I, I think the other thing, even I've been that being that person, that, you know, being here, you, you've got to stop with the sense of entitlement. Yeah, I mean, you kind of, I learned pretty quick because I lived in China for six years. So by the time I got here, like you had all the farang complainers. I'm like, yeah, you never lived in China. Man, like, yeah, yeah. You look, you know, like, you know, what are you complaining about? You complaining about, right? Well, this is great. You know, I saw, I saw a thing yesterday which freaked me out, man. Police drones telling people to stay indoors. In China? In China. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. mean, it's, you know, that is some real state order shit, you know, some crazy. Yeah, I'm glad I got out of there 2016. Well, God, you know. And I have friends there now and uh, it's a nightmare. Like they're building wow. these prison in, prison camps now. It's I don't even I don't even know if I want to talk about. It. I'll never. I I wanted to go back to travel one day, mm. 
but like mm. really travel. Where are building prison camps. Yeah, there's concentration camps being built there in Guangzhou for anyone that is not, uh, you know, a good student or a citizen. Sorry. Yeah. Wow. Full on concentration camps for for their own people. It's probably what well, we're probably already banned in China for mentioning that. Yeah. Anyway, well, it's 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 terrible. Um, I do think the 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 school system is great here. The health. I mean, people go Thailand hospitals. Mate, some of the best healthcare. I, I'm sorry, but you know, I can go and get checked out and this and that and scanned. And you know, I go to Harley Street in London. It's that's I'm, I'm walking out of there, twelve bags, fifteen bags down. Here, yeah. I'm like, you know, getting everything checked out properly, and I feel that the healthcare is great, and you know, it's 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 good. And I think the school, you know, we got our daughter in a mastery learn, learning school, which I think I really love because it's mastery learning as opposed to just throwing her into like a kind of boarding school or somewhere like that, an international school, which doesn't really suit our model. Um, and, and uh, you know, and I guess probably the most important thing is that me and my wife have never had that kind of life coming up, man. Being my daughter now at 11, you know, with those kind of like Bilbo Baggins feet, it's kind of super wide because you're not wearing shoes all the time, you know. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like really cool you know, just just growing up, you know, being able to say I grew up in Thailand, I'm, I'm like, yeah, that's great. Yeah, I mean, with the the right direction as well, I've had, uh, say, ex-girlfriends, friend, kids that went to the international schools, and they also went to international schools in the UK and Singapore. Um, but the one thing that they, even the kids said that they disconnected from was the fact that you don't get that feel of go home and play in the streets with the other kids because you're always so separated around the island. And that's the one thing that is kind of missing. Yeah, it, it is. You know, we, we, we are going to build another place further out. You know, I think getting, having kind of like, you know, land as in a, a field of grass, you know, you know, we, you know, when you first come here, you're like, well, my backyard is the jungle, which it is for me. But now I think, you know, I want to get to the age where I'm like, you know, I maybe want to, I think I'm going to start keeping bees. Uh, I need to get some hives in the bottom of the garden. You know what I mean? So I'm kind of at that stage. Now, I'm not kind of New York roof bees kind of vibe. I'm not that, I'm not Williamsburg, yeah. you know? Um, so I think that there's that element of the next, you know, movement we're going to do. Um, but I just love, I just love, I mean, you, you can't beat the food. The thing about the, me, the food palette here, you can't beat it, man. Apart from my wife's cooking, yeah, the Thai food it's good, but it's it's definitely like it's not healthy. You don't think so? I don't think with especially nah, when you go, go big to differ, man. Because of all when they're using a lot of like the fish oils and the and go the to go to Banrin Pa, man. If you're going, I'm sure there's places. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. for me, like there are traditional chefs that have been keeping the same recipes, the same thing. There's no MSG. There's not that shit in the food. And I can taste the difference a lot now. Mm. Um, you know, like anything good, you've got to pay for it in a certain respect. But I think I'm not, I'm still, the food I'd buy at Ban Rinpa would cost me five times the amount if I buy it. It would be an up, uptown marketing yeah, yeah. place in Mayfair. Well, come and check out this Thai fusion cuisine. You know, I'm, I'm sick of eating foam. I want to have a good meal. Um, and we go to Ban Rinpa. And to be honest, you know, I'm very. I fell on my. I fell on my luck with with Mika because she is just. I mean, she's insane. You know, I mean, Coco's just spoiled. She's got a menu. Canadians can cook. I, can, mean, I know what it is, is with you guys, man. <laughs> when it's in the water. Well, you know, no, you know what? It's the cold winter. 
we can't go out. So we got nothing else to do. You can't go. You want to go to the restaurant right. in the freezing cold of Canada? All right, let's go warm the car up, get your suit on. Like, yeah. So you end up cooking at home and you're cooking like that real warm, heavy stuff as well. Man, I'll tell you what, I was, you know, being in, being in Canada at that peak of winter, trust me. Oh, fuck. Right. I, I you know, I, I remember being there and it was, you know, I remember when Mika first came here. To England, and she's coming from you know Thailand, and we visit, and she came to live in England from Canada, and 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 you know roast dinners on a Sunday is an English tradition, and Mika was like, this is like Thanksgiving every week. I'm like, wow, this is I'm winning here. Yeah, you know what I mean? Because she's like, you get to cook roast dinner every week now, baby. Um, that's basic. You know, which is really <laughs> good. Um, and that's been a, that's been an amazing, an amazing thing. I I, I do love the food. I think we were we were both drawn to the food here. It's excellent. My, my girlfriend's Thai, so she cooks at home a lot. But yeah. we, do, we do a lot of a uh, hot pot. It's a bit wow. a bit cleaner, so we're able to kind of get the the thin meats and the veggie, and we just the problem. Well, you know, it's you know it's air fryer season right now, right? So fi the Philips air fryer is the way forward. Trust me, you get that Philips air fryer, yeah. and you can put anything in this thing, and it scans it, it reads it, it knows how long it's going to take to do it, and you just press one button, and it's serious, man. You put you know beyond me. You know, I, for me, as also, also, I never thought in all of my time being here that I would ever say I would prefer a Beyond Burger over a normal burger. Mm. And that's, I'm talking like In-N-Out Burger, you know what I mean? Any of the big kind of like burly burgers. You give me a plant-based burger any day of the week now. With those Beyond Burgers, I was watching a, a friend doing some health stuff on there. They're just packed with like GMO shit though. I really you think yeah. so? Well, no. you know what? You know what? <laughs> Fuck your friend. It tastes fucking good to me. <laughs> and it ain't Mickey Donald's, so I'm all right with that. <laughs> I'm um, so I'll, I'll ask a couple questions more yeah. about the your, uh, your recent Am I stuff. still here? Am I still here? Can you hear me? Ah, okay. Yeah. Uh, your recent production going on uh, in the U.S. Now you were producing with a guy named John Dixon. Oh, J oh yeah, John. And this Shit, is the yeah. Underground Resistance crew, correct? Yes. Uh, I mean, I've worked with John Dixon. So, yeah. What, how did that all come together? John John came about from Outlook Festival with me, Mad Mike, John, Cornelius. They were out there doing an underground resistance show. Uh, I'd already known Mad Mike forever. John Dixon got introduced me through Mad Mike. And we were in a minibus coming back to the airport to Zagreb. And John, I didn't realize that John Dixon has a, has a mad thing for Pat Metheny in the same way that I do. We both have a love for Pat Metheny. And uh, I said, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start putting something together. A couple of years passed, and we stayed in touch. And then, weirdly enough, um, I, started putting, I started putting Journeyman together, and he's on a track called Redemption, which is gnarly. And it's 18 minutes long. I've got a 21-minute version somewhere, but I didn't want it compared to Timeless, because Timeless is 21 minutes. This is 21 minutes. Timeless is seminal in its own way, and it's an it's a it's a it's an opera in its own black opera way. Um, but Redemption is uh, again a, another be beautiful piece of conceptual architecture because it goes from a DMB tune composition, and it turns into a DMB track, which is the two genres that I love the most. Um, into from you know DMB into techno which is our forefathers. Techno is our forefathers. And um, and John played on, on on Redemption, and he then played on This Is Not A Love Song, and he played on 
you know, a, a few other. He's all over the album, basically. And then uh, and the one thing that's very special on, on that album is Tu Avec Moi, which is Are You Going With Me? And it's a, it's a remake of Pat Metheny's Are You Going With Me? Um, I'd always said to Pat, I interviewed Pat Metheny at the Langham Hotel many, many years ago, and me and Pat have been close friends for years and years and years. Um, it's really mad because your hero becomes your friend. You know, it's like Barry he became my hero and became a friend. But I think Barry's different because Barry was like, growing up was like, well, God, but still is and still, he's still out there in the universe. But as a kid, Barry's like, I'm never ever, this is, you could never even assume you'd ever get in the same room. With Pat, I always felt that I'd work with him. I always felt that I was going to manifest it, the power of manifestation. So, and the, the one beautiful thing about that as an art piece, which is answering the question, I said to John, I'm going to remake How You Going With Me. He went, no fucking way are you going to do that? I said, listen, man, I already spoke to Pat. I've got the red, I've got the, uh, I've got the kind of red lights flashing in my mind and Pat's going to give me the green light. He went, what? I went, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it was Pat's wife who was a big fan of Timeless in 97, which introduced me to Pat. And Pat Metheny was a, a track called Across the Sky, which I, I remixed, which was a bit of a heavy remix uh, back then for, for that era. And uh, we always stayed in touch because his wife says, you know, who's cool? And Goldie was cool at the time. And she kind of grew up at college in my music and Pat was dating her in Paris. And then, you know, we got this introduction and then we stayed in touch year after year after year after year. And... I'd always want it, and it's being my wife's favorite all-time record of all time. It's I, I listen to it coming here, um, and I said to Pat, "I'm going to remake it. Can you?" And I interviewed him. I said, "Can you find me the original samples?" And weirdly enough, it was created with him and La Mays on what's called a synclav, which is this looping machine. Back then, which in the jazz world was like, "How dare you use a looping machine?" It was like, it was, you can't do this. It was, it was outraged within the jazz world. And of course, it became his seminal record. And I remade it. And I remade it with some amazing players. And I, I actually inverted the piece. Mm. And what I mean by inverted the piece was, I took Lyle Mays's harmonica synth and I replaced it with a real harmonica player. There's only like three in England, by the way. Trust me, I've tried. I took, you know, to get a harmonica player, it's just difficult. It's like trying to get a bagpipe. Especially player. at that level. At that level, to be able to play yeah. at that level. And trust me, and, and I had to read the riot act to this, to this player. Um, and then I took, you know, you're not going to play guitar better than Matheny. So what do you do? So I took a really remarkable friend of John Dixon's called Aaron Jenick. And I got Aaron Jenick to play trumpet and replace Pat's guitar line with the trumpet line. I then did BVs with Matt Calvert, who's head of the Heritage Orchestra, and uh, and and uh, typewriter, which is his own uh, act, um, and he's a phenomenal MD. He's a musical director of my live tours, and I then put this piece together. And if you get the original, which is nine minutes long, and you get two of X Moi, and you play them simultaneously in left and right speaker, they they move. Exactly the same moment, but they're two completely different tracks. But they're exactly the same because of the musical inver inversion, and and I think that's probably one of my, for a small kind of time, that and redemption are are are, are phenomenal compositions. And John Dixon, I have to thank.
for, for that in a lot of ways. Would, um, would fans in the industry, would they know that or is that kind of new information as it's well? Kind of, it's kind of new information too. Like, because meaning I, like... I have a very secret way of working. It's people, those that know, know. It's that kind of thing. Okay. I don't really sing from the asses. This format allows people to kind of yeah. get under the bonnet. Yeah, the only um, problem is the arm movement's not great in here. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I've, I, I really love that because there is hieroglyphics in my music. Are you like... Hieroglyphics and others might call them Easter eggs. Are you planting these all oh, over? Oh yeah, yeah. I've got loads. I mean, it's there's so many that are uncovered that are not even found yet. There you go. That's the oh in composition. That's the podcast. Goldie's Easter eggs. Yeah, you there's can a talk lot. There is a lot of stuff that's not been discovered in tracks that people would not know that's that are right there in plain sight. Do you think Pink Floyd did that with you know the Wizard ah, of Oz, or is that uh, just is that a coincidence? It's a complete coincidence. Okay, okay. but 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 you see, we find. In the raconteering, we need folklore. Mm. You know, that's the thing that people have to understand that if you you can record everything on this phone, everything that we have in this era is recordable, right? Yeah? Agreed? Mm. Everyone yeah. agree in the room? Yeah. Okay. Why do we lament for ripped jeans then? Why do we want an old photograph? Well, why, is, why do we look for filters that are making something look old? Because we're lamenting for something that you can't have. Mm-hmm. And that's the that's the problem that human beings have. We are by default and should be incomplete. You think they do that every generation, anyways? No, there's a difference. Because you, you, you can we can say the same old shit by going, well, back you know, back in my day, wasn't the same. Oh, it's very different now. And the reason why it's very different is because we never had the amounts of technological change. You can sit in the 19th century and, and do all these things and go, well, you know, somebody that witnessed road cars, for example, it's huge, replacing a horse. It's just big, right? But the difference is that we're going back and forth in time. We're time traveling through samples. We can go back and we're time travelers. We can go back and forth in eras of recordable audio. We've only had recordable audio for a hundred years. Mm. We've been here for how long? Sorry. So if we can go back and forth in time, sound alone to be able to go back and forth in cultural heroes and take things and and invert them and make them something different it, that's that's the magic for me that's the that's the seancic method right there what about like these unique sounds like for example have you ever thought you know what if i travel to the depths of the amazon jungle and find a sound that i can incorporate into my music that only you can get from a certain time like a tribal time is that something or is that just too difficult to you know go capture I'll just get it outside. I'm going to go home. Mm. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, listen, urban music is from urban environment. You know, we were some, people forget that there's a quote, it's my quote, and I, I, there's a beautiful, I, I always wanted my own, you know, I always get these great ones. I mean, a truthful idea lasts in the honesty of time. So the idea of me being attached culturally to a genre which had other carriages of a train which are culturally appropriate to my timeline, my heritage, allows me to go back and forth in time and traveling through those carriages to sample, look, recognize, be inspired by, and put into my own type of hieroglyphical wild style. Because not everybody can read graffiti, right? And never once did I see an old Hispanic or an old Jewish lady standing in New York going, oh my God, look at that Puerto Rican train. Oh my God, look at that Afro-American train. They just said, look at this. It's just this art. It's just graffiti. And it's a font. And it's a letter form. 
that only we can understand. I can read it. You can't read it? Brilliant. And that's what Wild Style is. Wild Style is about having style where anybody that you know, including your maths teacher, cannot read Egyptian letters, hieroglyphics. We have 1%, less than 1% of the world's population can go into a cave with a brush and go, we've uncovered here, these words here from Professor Aljame say that this is saying the Pharaoh be entombed and blah, 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 blah. 1% of the population can read that. Wild style, hieroglyphics, probably 1% of the population can read that. But we can read it. And that's all that matters. So we continue to paint those hieroglyphics. What we're giving you now in the modern age, which is what I call the payback, repatriations, the idea of well, graffiti writers can make contemporary art. This is going to be easy. Do you... Is there anything like when you travel the world and say Bangkok and you see the graffiti in these hieroglyphics, you can you can read it as well. It's well, like I that can, language well, is I, universal. The language is there to entire language, but once you know what the letters are, yeah. Or you can see how he's expanding the letter, you know. But but graffiti is graffiti even outside of its own letter form has its form, you know. Graffiti doesn't lie; it's either shit or it ain't. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's the thing about you know underground drum and bass music. We know what good music sounds like. There's 99.9 times a lot of shit music out there. But shit to you or just good to someone else. You've got to understand. That's the other thing you have to understand about throwing stones, right? I've thrown a lot of stones. I've broken a lot of greenhouses. But from, from here, this table looks kind of brown. And from where he's standing, it looks kind of brown. There's just different hues. Mm -hmm. And I just have my set of hues that are culturally different than everyone else's. Mine are kind of cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like <laughs> my friends are kind of, it's kind of cool because we come from a genre of kind of coolness, which is our cool. It might not be someone else's thing, but there's just so much style within what we do. But a lot of that art that you grew up with and the reason it went to these levels is the art was you know, develop from the struggle, which maybe without that struggle, are people still able to reach that level of art? I could say the same thing and say, does that mean that someone in Paris is not allowed to make hip hop or Madonna's daughter, who's just put a drum and bass record out, Lola's not allowed to make a drum and bass record. You can't put a wall around New York. Mm -hmm. You can, however, have style. Is there, there's a gray line with integrity. I guess it's the nature and nurture of it's style. It's the nature and nurture of style. And there's a certain idea of integrity. I did an interview and said, well, if it's good enough for Madonna's daughter, it's good enough for me. And this was recently, like last month. And Madonna's daughter turned up at a gig in New York like two months ago, three months ago. And so on her birthday and turns up and like, because she wants to come into a Goldie gig, right? So, you know, I remember a mother calling me, trying to make me produce an album after William Orbit didn't make the album. And I refused because I was making mother at the time. And everyone always gives me a hard time for that. They're like, you should have made Madonna's album. Really? Why? You know what I mean? Like, I've got other things to do with my time. And I think that the art is my art. I, I don't kind of want it to be anyone else's kind of thing. On a side note, okay, so I, I heard this story correct. This could be completely wrong. Uh, it is. It's correct. I said it's wrong completely. Yeah, that's wrong. Uh, it's, don't worry. It's not even that crazy. So <laughs> I heard from a, a, a friend of a friend of a friend. He braces himself. Um, you're, you're a part of a clan of Rainbow Six. 
And <laughs> and your and your clan of Rainbow Six one night you invited them all to a set in London and you played. Did oh, this is this true yeah, story? Yeah, yeah, Call of Duty. And uh, the guy yeah. specifically, his name in Rainbow Six was Boar, B O R E. Well, yes, it's true. There was there was Rainbow Six was the first platform I'd played on online. And in the madness of my life at the time in the nineties, I was it was hedonistic, it was insane. In the night, it was insane, and going into the noughties was just something I can't even comprehend how I survived that era. But Rainbow Six came out, and he was like playing online with other people in these rooms, which is weird. And I had a set of guys, you know, there's a guy called Lordy, uh, God, Kristen, Boar. There was there was a guy called Hellfire back then for Scottish fella. There was a few other fellas, uh, and and I've and I. You know, obviously you're playing and you've got this kind of like, it was Goldicus. you got like, a, you got your own I think group. It was, yeah, it was like Goldicus 999 is my tag, still is. And I'm playing online and then people go, you sound really familiar. It was always this kind of vibe. It's like, yeah, oh no, you ain't. And you know, people just wouldn't believe I was this guy. And of course, when you get to know these people, I kind of, I invited these guys to a club one night and they all came out and they were just fucking blown What, what year was this? God, 90, 90. 98, maybe. And then I'd set up like a paintballing day. <laughs> we all went paintballing, playing it for real, you know, which is insane. I, I just, I'm, I'm one of those people that, I guess, in England, you know, I, I, and I kind of got to get out, really, because it was just too, I can't, go, I can't go out normally like I used to go out. Like, you know, I'm at dinner with my wife and my daughter and you get you get that kind of Dave Chappelle moment where somebody comes over and goes, hey, s sorry, sorry, man. Uh, look, I know you're having a night out with your family, but, uh, you know, I just want to, and you're like, you're sorry, I just want to, you know, can I just tell you this? And you're like, just no, just fuck off. I'm having my fucking dinner. You know, and you want to, yeah. and I can be polite for a certain amount of time and you'll get people that are kind of a little bit, you know what, you too, it's too, too good for us now, kind of. You know, they're thinking it, but they'll say it's gonna go. You're gonna get hurt. Yeah, something's gonna happen in a minute. I'm not that guy. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be that guy. Yeah, I, especially with your with your family. And, not, and, not, yeah. and then you get you get that kind. And I think, I also think from social, you know, before it just got really busy, and in the last five years it got ridiculous. Do you get that in Thailand much? No, thank people. I find like because you see, I see. I mean, Hans can say we see a lot of famous people on the island. And it's kind of you give the space. Like, what's the point? You're gonna see a man. A, yeah, you don't. You I'm, don't get it. Here I don't. Much? I don't get. I get. You know, I'm Fan Tong. That's who I am. What do you mean by that? Fan Tong, Mr. Goldtooth. That's okay. that's the Thai abbreviation. Okay. Fan Tong, you know, Mr. Uh, tong, Gold. Tong meaning yeah, gold. me, Got Mr. It. Gold. And that's how they know me. I love it because you know what I love about this. You know, the DHL guy can go to the bottom of the hill. He doesn't. He, know doesn't, he doesn't even have to. He just goes, ah, oh, Fan Tong House. Cool. They know where they're taking yeah. it. There's no, you've got to sign this thing here with this thing here. You know what I mean? Then you, that's, they, know I, they know who you are. And, yeah. and so I don't get bothered. Like, um, like if you're at dinner and stuff. Like and that. I love that. No, and, and I get respected. So sometimes a Western kind of, kind of know you. The gallery is different in Bangkok. I'll get stopped a few times, especially mainly expats that are like, oh my God, what are you doing here? I heard you lived in Thailand. You know, or some mad shit like that. Um, and like I said, the reason, you know, bringing this to a, a 
a circular movement that we've had to wonderful chat today um, was that you know it's allowed me to have some, have some I've had the most amazing me and my wife been together for 15 years I, I, I've got to say that the last 15 years have been just the best experience I could a human being could ever have well, I've had Mika on the podcast before, and I went to lunch with her last. We we're talking about, and I have her her pajamas down there. Like, if you ask my girlfriend, she hates she's because I never wa- I wear them every fucking day when I they're so comfortable. You need to get my wife's pajamas. They are the best pajamas. Uh, no, especially for in Thailand because I used to work at my laptop in basketball shorts, but they're synthetic. And then she dropped off this pair. And I'm washing them every other day. Yeah, Mika, send me more, please. <laughs> yes, she I got. I got to go pick them up. She will. But I had her on the podcast, <laughs> and in that contrast of her personality and your personality, it, it synchronizes quite well. In which she's your rock. I'm assuming she's totally. I mean, we're so yin and yang. You know, I've never. You know, this is the one thing she'll quote me on. I've never had an argument with my wife over every anything. And the reason why is because she just won't engage with me. I'm like, going, nah! <laughs> and there's nothing there. It's like she just, took, she just took the pin out and went. And you know what I mean? I put my finger in the, in the, in the, in the thing when I, before I fire. And it's like, there's nothing igniting. That's the way she is. She really, she's really taught me a lot about my self-dignity, my self-pride. And and having such a trauma, I mean, I've had such a trauma. I've had a crazy traumatic life. It's out there. It's out there. Mm-hmm. And she's allowed this me to heal in a way that I never thought I could do as a man, embracing my effeminate. You know, now listen, man. Yo, guys, any guys out there, man? You know, like, stop giving me the big one, man. Go out there, go go scream in the woods, go cry, let some steam off. You know, some of the biggest killers from a lot of my friends that have died, that have passed away. They're 40 plus and they exit. They've OD'd or they've gone. You know, I've lost a lot of soldiers, a lot of generals. I've lost some people that you would never have expected to lose. Um, I've lost people to drugs. I've lost people to, you know, addiction has been a bitch in my life for for, for, for decades. A big part of it, like even me living in Asia 12 years, and we'll wrap this up and I think otherwise we'll be here four hours. I don't want to waste your day too much. Um, Are you finished? Yeah, we're, we're... no, I just wanted on that point. Yeah, yeah we're okay. almost done. I think I've lost my Sam for some reason. Uh, try uh, it. could be your connector. I must have pulled out the connector or yeah, something. There, just jiggle, play with it a bit. It's connecting down there. Oh, it's not. It's not that. Uh, right there. Oh, yeah, go. There you go. I was saying a big part of it. I mean, living in Asia for twelve years, I've always had a girlfriend, and I've always said, if you don't have a strong woman at home, especially living in these countries, you're gonna be a fucking mess because there's too yeah. much substance out there to pull you in one way. Or the other direction. Is it, is it working? Or? Oh, something's... There, is this, you've unplugged oh. it. <laughs> One sec. There you go. What's going to happen there? How is it? Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, you come to Thailand and you were young, backpacking, go out, do the clubs, do the bars, do the titty bars, whatever the fuck you do, whatever the... All that stuff. It's just stuff, you know. Um, coming here and, and living a life is a totally different thing. I mean, we need, you know... We need our rocks. We need, um, I mean, muse is the word I love to use. It's such a wonderful word, having a muse. You know, and Mika's been my power of inspiration. I mean, she hates myself. 
but she has been, you know, and like, and she's silently, she's not the kind of person going, you know, she might go and quite listen on her own. You know, I write writing songs, writing ballads, doing stuff with Easter eggs. We know what it means. We know what those lines mean. We read between those lines and between the black notes, some of the greatest things have, have, have ever been told in jazz, between the black notes. And I think my life's always been between the white and the black note. It's always been that darker shade of blue between those notes. And, and I think that, you know, I just buried my father a month ago in Miami. And that was a really, it, it didn't tear my heart out like it did with my mother because my mother being such a massive force in my traumatic life. But it resonated in such a mechanical way and a very tribal man, you know, the, you know, we weathered the storm and you, both your parents go and then the, the sea settles and then it, it is glass and then the ripples begin and the rings begin and then it starts to move and then you're in your, this ocean of change and return movement and it will go towards the ultimate incomplete circle which is this our energy moving beyond this, this this final stage which is the beginning stage of realms this is you know you've got boss level then you've got the other levels, right? Well, the energy is never destroyed. It's only transformed. It's only transformed, the energy. And, and I always, I've always put things at an end, but I mean as in, I should, I should probably word it better as in it's an end to that era and a new one begins. You know, it's like the king is dead, long live the king, right? So the idea of, because my life's always been kind of project-based, I always go, that's the end of that page. They're like pages falling over for me. They really are. Like the book I found yesterday. Right, like the the end of every song I ever make, that last thirty two bars is the beginning of a new composition. Do we see Goldie the farmer uh, holding a seat at the table one day? As you're talking about getting land, he's actually at the table now. He's just gearing up. You know, he's he's that they he's looking at the table. They're all looking around. And that's going, kind of my takeaway from yeah, this they're, conversation. They're, they're, they're like, should we? Should we? Yeah, do you want to join us? Did you want to join us? Would you like to take a seat? Um, I want to keep bees. Um, I want to get a, a piece of land with two beautiful, you know, I'm, I'm in the middle of the dogs I want. I'm either going to like Argentinian dog, doggos. Or Ridgeback? Uh, uh, no. Uh, no, Ridgeback, no. Um, <laughs> I'm probably going to get, knowing me, though, I will probably go and find two wonderful strays. Are in the, one of the soy dog or something, and I don't know. I'm I'm I just feel that I'm at the this. We are at this place where we want to do these things, and you know I've got I've had so much stuff over the years. I mean I've given away when I came here. I gave away nine bin bags of Stussy, bin liners full of this stuff. All these Burmese workers with rock, rocking Stussy, which I which I find really <laughs> cool. I find it super cool. Um, and things are really going well. You know, the label's 30 years old next year. I've been doing this for 30, you know, street culture for 37 years. Well, 57 now I was in New York when I was 18. So whatever that is. And I caught the bug at 17. I was 17. So Star Wars. 
Subway art, the New Testament, the Old Testament. You know what I mean? That's what that's what that is for me. Um, and I'm just making a Goldie album now. Did the subjective album last year. For me, the screenplay is everything. I've written six episodes, and I think it's my greatest work. I really do. Would you direct, star in it? I'm going to well? direct one and two. Okay. Um, star, no, thank you. Um, my idea is to, is to direct storyboard. I see anyway. I've written six episodes with Clint Dyer and a guy called Dan Kadan, who's Guy Ritchie's right-hand man for 16 years. What, what is it? It's about your life or it's something? A, it's a semi-autobiographical screenplay called Cine Tempore, which means in Latin, without time. So nothing like, I don't are you uh, Are you a fan of like Curb Your Enthusiasm? Did you watch the newest season? Uh, yeah, I'm a massive fan of Curb Your Enthusiasm. The, the newest, you see Larry David's now producing like it. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen, I haven't seen the new one. I saw, I think I saw the first two episodes of the new of the, the new, new season. season. Oh, that's the whole season. It's him producing his own show. It's fucking hilarious. Yeah, I, I think that he's. Oh yeah, because he's just about to do it with the kid. Oh, it's, I won't. Spoil yeah, it. he's it's just great. about to do it with the kid, yeah, yeah, yeah. and he's got the act, the actress girl. The Mexican kid, right? That's like, the whole... Uh, okay, so that's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, yeah. so yeah, yeah, I'm with it now. I watched the first episode, and the idea that he's got this excuse that becomes bigger and bigger. It's so yeah. good. Well, it's far from Larry David. Yeah, yeah, okay. But it's, it, is a, it is three unbelievable stories all intertwined. Tragic love story, which is like, oh, coming of age with this wonderful boy. And it's... It's crime story, but the crime story is actually irrelevant, but the crime story is there for the very purpose of, uh, purpose of idiocy, to show you how fucked up we are and how this kid saves the day because the, 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 the byproducts like yoga, I spoke about at the top of this, is not the weight loss. The byproducts of this is this kid's illness, which is temporal lobe dysfunction, which no one's ever done a screenplay on is an acute type of epilepsy. And there it's is no of, there is no cure for it. It's adolescent, you grow out of it. And it's a phenomenal device which allows me to time travel. How, how did you come up with this disease to attach it to? Is there a personal um, attachment? I found it purely by accident. I was researching, trying to find the device. You know, because the idea is I had this kid and he, he has no sense of time. And I was looking, I was looking up, I was researching illnesses that are time related whether it's memory loss uh you know you look at uh, the work of christopher nolan yeah you know with memento very complex ghetto people we can't understand it. it's too complex for us we're not we're not we're not that we're not built that way to understand it you know what i mean yeah it's like you discuss you're always you're talking 2d 3d 4d and the 5d <laughs> yeah the, but the idea of this temporal lobby's function from an urban point of view, it's understandable. I've got two packs of cards. I've shuffled them. All of those cards were laid down in a linear mo moment, but they were never in that order. So in other words, his, the kid's experience may seem linear to him and to us. But because of the six episodes as an archetype, from left to right... They're actually from. They're actually going from A to Y, from Y to B. And it's B a journey to, throughout that as well. And it's a journey movie. of him coming of age and accepting his illness, without even knowing he has this thing, and recognizing 
what time means to us as human beings. There is no sense of time, this type of urgency. Uh, and, and I think it's my greatest work because we've, we've got three albums in there already that we've done, me and James Davison, my partner, we've, we've, we've been writing albums. And the artist of the label I have here in Asia, Fallen Tree, which we release in England, is another one of my labels, which deals with Searchlight, Natalie Duncan, um, you know, and various artists that we have under the Fallen Tree moniker. And that label facilitates these artists to create this music of integrity, which we pepper through all six episodes. When you take this story that you've put together, and I've heard you repeatedly talk about this uh, on multiple occasions, there's a, a very uh, important book in your life called No Fuzz. Um, and this No Fuzz? Oh, yeah. It's a journey of a boy from Buffalo to New York. Yeah. Did this influence this writing at all in, in that sense of... Yeah, I think it... I think it is I've, only, I've, only I never, I've, never, I've never had that connection, but now you say it in a really... It's weird how you said that because this morning I spoke to Henry Chalfont. Henry, my dear friend. We're going to go and spend some time with Henry next next couple of weeks. But Henry gave me that book. And that book is a really, really rare book. And when I read that book, yeah, I think you're right. I think, I think part of me, the boy, this young kid living inside the trains, running in away and, and witnessing all of the violence and witnessing all of this stuff, which is pre-anything you know the difference with that book with no fuzz no fuzz by the way is a book a journal some people say it's, it's the stuff of legend it's the it's this kid's experience of witnessing the gangs you know the black spades the you know all of these crazy these crazy gangs in new york and the graffiti gangs that came after just in the same five summers if you like um, forget the police. They were the, they were the least important threat. It was whether or not you could stay alive from getting killed or shot in the yards when you were trying to paint. So he saw all this stuff. And I guess for my growing up in the West Midlands in England and going to the Bronx, you know, pre, you know, Koch, before the trains were finished, the, the, the great white elephants we call them, before they mm -hmm. died... And, and graffiti became this different movement on the walls. Um, I witnessed a lot of shit, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and I guess like anyone's life's work, it's gonna take it's gonna take a while for a broadcaster to kind of go. I think by Jove, I think I have it. You know, Timeless took a while for people to. It was only Pete Tong had the balls to sign it. You listen to Timeless as an album now, it's. One, it stood the test of the very thing it, it talks about, time. It's, it stood the test of time. It's nostalgic, has a sense of its own reality. It's a coming-of-age album. This is just the, the visual version of Timeless. Yeah, and no, it sounds like, as we're speaking more and more throughout all of this, you're, you're going to leave a legacy, and we'll end this on this now because I, I don't want to waste your time too That's, much more. You're not wasting any time okay, at all, um, I mean. The, my point is you're going to leave a legacy of art behind that would probably be able to be di dissected for eternity. And we can relate that to many directors like Stanley Kubrick and how many people will go back and watch a film like The Shining and try to pin the moon landing on the door and, the, the, uh. and people will go mad trying to dissect it. But it will only be you yourself that will sleep easy at the end of your life knowing the truth. 
Is that I, correct? Well, I, I'm I'm none of those. Or is it open? Or I'm, is it open I, for interpretation? It, I'm none of those people. The one thing I will say is that is that I I cherish the incomplete circle. I think that the Easter eggs I've left. Yes, they. Trust me, I've got lots and lots of letters that specifically tell you, "Go fuck yourself. You were wrong. It's this," okay. or you know, letters that are funny that talk about me passing or not being here. You know, that I I I I've, I love the idea because I've I've witnessed. I used to live. I was we used to record over the road from where Hendrix OD'd. I used to look at the house. A plaque outside the house. You know. And I look at all these things and I look at all these, I think of Herring and I think of, you know, all the good, great graffiti writers we lost. Dondi and, you know, when I see some Ramble Z, man, all these phenomenal artists and, and I see their work on walls and sometimes I see people standing back going, I think that the artist at the time was thinking, shut the fuck up. You know, you don't know what the artist was thinking. Unless he stated it, you know, with his handwriting. No. It's open to interpretation. But you're kind of saying it as if you're kind of selling it to me in that sense. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I like the idea of an open floor. Like, maybe. Okay. Well, have you heard the story of the, there's a famous artist, uh, they, well, they won't even reveal his name, that uh, in the 80s he was at lunch with Donald Trump. And he said, this is the reality of art. And he took his, he was eating his spaghetti and he smashed it on the floor like some, like the sauce on the floor. And he took the tile of the floor and he sold it for like 50 or for like a hundred or a million dollars or something. Oh, no. Just to show that like, you have to understand that the art sometimes doesn't matter as well. I'm not quite sure. It doesn't, I think that's what graffiti is about. It just upset that apple cart, man. I mean, Mm. you know, Cause is a living example of that. Cause is probably one of the most prolific artists on the planet right now. Along with you know, you know, you look at what Mr. Banks has done with the with the idiocy of art and shredding it up right there in the gallery. I mean, genius, <laughs> a real genius. And I like that because I think that the 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 the, the art is only art to those that put it into that place, right? So, you know. You could go and put that shit in the middle of Africa into a tribe and they, and they could just burn it, like use it for papers and wipe their asses with. Yeah, but there's certain artists, like I'm a huge movie buff in that sense. Like, And there's certain artists out there where it is pure art. Like, for example, I think one of the most underrated films in the past few years, I think it's two years, is a film by Wes Anderson called The French Dispatch. I don't you, know, know. you know, it's the one thing that I'm, you know, I'm waiting. You know, you just remind, this is what I love about these things. I guess the, premise of this podcast was to remind me of that because that has eluded me i saw it when i was in america on a plant on, on, on a clip somewhere i came up on my feed that's what it was i was in portland oregon and i and 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 i've always been a wes anderson pt anderson fan for both of those guys i'm gonna go home and watch that today <laughs> I, I have it on my laptop after this on Dropbox, I'll I'll, I'll send you a Dropbox link. That'd be link. brilliant. See, then you don't have to download it. You got this it. This is even better. And 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 if he's saying that it's one of the great, because I've I mean Magnolia, it's a masterpiece. I'm telling you, wow. every when you're watching it, and I won't give much away, but every single frame is a painting. Every frame. But when I've always felt that's oh. what the kind of dark series is. Anyway. Oh, this, this is like Excuse if you obviously if you're a fan of the Grand Budapest Hotel, this, uh. he takes it to the next level. So it's that on steroids. Well, I'm I'm all over it. 
yeah. mean, I've I think that I think that I think this uh, who was a guy that played. I always get them mixed up. There's Ben Stiller and the other one, the guy that played in the, the you know the he was, which, a, he which was a golfer, and he was he was trying to hit the like a baseball bat, but he was he was an eighties film, crazy. Adam Sandler. Sandler? Adam Sandler. Yeah. I still think the scene of Adam Sandler, um, on the subjects of film, ladies and gentlemen, this where this is now this is Mr. <laughs> Goldie here on the extended podcast. Um, I think one of the greatest scenes, like, was Adam Sandler finding the organ that fell off the back of the truck on Punch Trunk Love. It's a great scene. He gets it and he sees if it's a ploy, but it's you know, and he carries it in the warehouse and puts it on the side what is this object so it's a phenomenal scene and that whole emma watson thing at the time and there's the awkward love this awkward thing um and i i i, I mean my initial thing for my screenplay and i'm manifesting like you would not believe right now that the broadcaster will pick this up in the new year you know magnolia was a massive influence on my life chance and circumstance being shot the argument with the couple been shot. Is that Paul Thomas Anderson? P.T. Anderson, yeah, yeah, Paul Thomas Anderson. You know, the couple arguing every day, and this the daughter got sick of it, and this time she put a pellet in the gun, and she shot through the window, and he shot a guy coming down committing suicide. Is it murder? Mm. The idea of that opening monologue of Magnolia is phenomenal. He's raining frogs, which he does factually, scientifically, you know, with a cyclone picking up the frogs from the lake, dumping them, you know. Into into this old guy and into into, and it's a wonderful cast. Um, I'll have to go back and watch that. Props for me, for, for me, probably one of the greatest. That Lahaine, two thousand and one, Magnolia, you know, um, that they're, they're my top three. You know, Star in terms Wars. of like visualize the artistic, v visual artistic interpret, and Ashes to Snow. What I mean, Ashes to Snow has to be. My top artistic uh, cinematography for arts, art's sake. What about back? Like I was a big like this is twenty years ago. I I I, I took film in in a, in a it was one of my classes in university, and I took it for pretty much two years. And you go really far back to like uh, Inger Bergman, like the mm. where it's. Have you seen his? He's a Swedish director. I was never. I was you know. I'd go as far as Mirror. Okay. By the Russian, you know, Marino, you know, and then Darren Aronofsky was a big part of my nineties and. You know, and 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 you know, Malkov Malkovich, being Malkovich, you know what I mean. He says, you know what I mean, and uh, and do the you, other, and, you know, Coen Brothers. Note, do you know that John Malkovich, he has a a movie he made that's in a time capsule that will not be released for a hundred years. I never knew that. Yeah, he's put a film somewhere in the UK in a time capsule. That's that brilliant. That's not allowed to be. Opened. I love that. <laughs> I just wish those pharaohs would have done that for. Well, they did. They left the pyramids, but I wish this. I wish the aliens would have left a few more spacecraft for us to find at the same time. Right. I'm sure they're it's a, there a descendants of the Greys or whatever they are. Um, it has been. It's been very. It's been been quite. It's been. A, it's been very nice. I, li I like the way we ended it on yep. cinematography, as cinematography is, is one of my. It's really difficult when you look at the kind of Netflix franchise, and you look at the fodder we have to find a bloody good film these days. But it so takes it the director and it takes the actor. These are two. That's why I, for me, it's there will be blood's one of my favorite. Like I this, mean, phenomenal, phenomenal. And, and I think that's of our generation. I, I, I think he is probably the best actor of, of our generation. You'd say, 
Um, oh, fuck. Uh, brain fart. Uh, the, the actor of... Uh, oh, three-tiered uh, British. Uh, no, the actor of... Uh, uh, there will be blood. blood. Yeah, three-tiered yeah. name. It's a three-tiered name. Ah, I, I'm just having it's a coming, brain it's fart. Coming, it's coming, it's coming. having a brain fart. Ah. Tell us in the comments. It's a three-tiered name. He's a British actor originally. Ah, uh, tell us in the I, I literally... Uh, uh, do, 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 do. Yeah, he's fed up with the moustache, yes. Yes. Uh, do, 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 do. We're not going anywhere. To Hans, get on the yeah. phone. Google that. Yeah, it's a good... Uh, yeah, Google it now. We need to find out. No, now. It's, it's going to drive me now. nuts. It's going to drive I, you mad. It's, it's, I know who it is. It's I just, know what you mean. It is, yeah. He's brutal. Daniel Day-Lewis? Yes. Yeah, Daniel Day-Lewis. Yeah, three-tiered name. See, I told you. I was not halfway there. I think his <laughs> acting performance in general, just even in that movie, is so phenomenal. This is acting at its finest. You're talking of actors, I think my mate Steve is probably the best on the planet right now. I think Stephen Graham is a force to be reckoned with. Ah, right he's now. the guy from Snatch. Yeah. The, well, he's uh, also the guy from No, but I, that's what the, I'm yeah. connecting he's, to. He's, yeah. you know, playing Capone was huge yep. for me. The Solid. way that he did that role. Um, I've just seen him in, you know, I saw him in, obviously in Line of G was one thing. But seeing him in, 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 in a few other things lately, you know, the, the thing with time with Sean Bean was phenomenal. Playing a prison warden. Was you know, and he's going to be in this screenplay. I've written. He's one of the main leads, mm. um, but he's you know, it's worth giving Stevie a shout because Stevie, for the most down to earth little Buddha, he's always reading. He's always in the Buddha books. He's always Stevie's that guy, you know. And having the same kind of similar backgrounds we've had, he's definitely in, on the right path of light for sure. He's he's a he's a wonderful. Yeah, and it's lo that that is it's very important as well. It's making you not just evolve in your craft, but as a, a person as and well. And again, he has a brilliant matriarch. He's got, he's got, he's got his his wife's of amused. You know, the powerhouse behind him. You know what I mean? It's, and it's, 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 mine, mine's out it. now. She, she we need it. it. We need it. Well, thank you. Okay, let's let's end it on that. No, we probably hit almost two hours. Um, Did we? Probably pretty close. How much? There you oh, go. That's okay. Good timing. I'm going to shoot this to your camera. And uh, yeah, it's like that show, Hot Ones. This one? Oh, that one. Okay, cool. Just let them know. Um, let all your fans out there know where, where can they find you and what do you got coming up next? What can they expect? It's just the world of Goldie. I don't know. Um, I'm going to be in the US. I'm leaving on the 8th. I'm playing Montreal on the 9th of December. I'll be in Dallas, Chicago, New York, back to back with Doc Scott, which is going to be insane because me and Scotty started, you know, 98, doing a, a crazy gig there in, in New York. And I've been there many, many times since. Um, and we're looking forward to Detroit, three hours set in Detroit, New York, Chicago, who have I forgotten? Dallas. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be pretty prolific. You'll so be back for Christmas? or I'm back on the 24th. And then I am recording and... Uh, I'm painting January, February. I'll be at the gallery in Bangkok for those two months. And then I'm doing Miami Winter Music Conference, which is good. Hopefully we'll have someone onto the screenplay. Lots of projects, albums and crazy stuff. <laughs> yeah. And if you don't see me here, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be on the top of a mountain somewhere. <laughs> and then hopefully you get some rest at some point in between. Somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, th thanks a lot for joining Thank us. Thank you. Um, but we don't know how to end these things. Just subscribe and like it and comment. Subscribe. Right. Namaste. Yeah, thanks. Cool.